This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join is their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable podcast features real stories from real people of how they make modern dating work or not. I'm your host, Yue, former dating coach turned dating insider, if you will. On each episode, you'll hear commentary from my producer, Julie Kraftchik, and other surprise co-hosts. This episode of Dateable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. I know we've talked about dating as an Asian person in modern times and also the fetishes that come with that. We talked about yellow fever. We also talked about the white horse, but we had someone write us in on Twitter. Um, Her name is Yalitza and she said, you know, there hasn't been an episode about black fetishism and racism experience while dating as a black person. I would kill for a breakdown on that. And here she is. <laughs> so she volunteered herself by writing yes. that, basically. <laughs> but also brought a friend along. Sophia is also on the phone. Um, do you girls want to say a quick hello? Hi, everyone. <laughs> hey. So just a little background on both of them. Yalitza's 
currently in Cincinnati. She's moving soon. She grew up in New York City in her early 20s. She's single and ready to mingle, I'm guessing. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, let's say that. Let's leave it at that. (laughs) And Sophia is currently living in Atlanta. She's originally from Stamford, Connecticut. Uh, I know what that's like. I lived in Connecticut for a little bit. Uh, We'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that, yep. She's 26 years old and currently in a monogamous relationship. Okay, so I love it. We have have someone who's single and then someone who's in a committed relationship talking about what it's like dating in modern times as a black woman. Let's just go very general first. What is it like dating as a black woman these days? I don't... Sophia, where do we start? (laughs) (laughs) I know... what it boils down to is that we we have all, all of the struggles that everyone else has to deal with in general, but of course there are going to be particular things in addition to that that we have to think about and navigate through. So dealing with not only sexism, but the racism on top of each other. And I don't want to speak for other Black women, Black femmes, mm-hmm. but in the conversations I've had with peers and in general, the conversations you see online and when you bring people together, there are shared experiences of being treated differently because of your race um, as a black woman, the way that you look as a black woman, the different skin tones and hair textures that we have. And just we we share so many common stories of things that men have said to us about our appearance or their preferences for dating. Okay, so, sharing yeah. is caring. So <laughs> what are those? Tell us enlighten oh, us. I will say on Tinder, you'll get a lot of messages where it's like, I've never been with a black girl before. Or they'll call you like, hey, beautiful black goddess or chocolate queen. Um, Beautiful Nubian princess. (laughs) And how do you feel when you get messages like that? It's It's an automatic turn off. Yeah, a large eye roll is what we'll say. I mean, I can can totally relate because I get those messages as well. Like you're, uh, I've never had an Asian before. Like what, are you at a fucking buffet? (laughs) (laughs) We are not here for you to try. Like people of different backgrounds and cultures are not for you to sample. That's not what we exist for. So my question is, do you think that comes out of racism or is that just ignorance the common conversations that we've had are all they're not necessarily centered around racism because a lot of times there's not really a malicious intent to it but there's there's a bit of a a sensitivity well racism in and of itself is ignorance so i would have to say yeah (laughs) um whether it's intended to be negative like it's not about the intent it's about the impact so if you're saying something that is in its impact racist, it is racism. So I want to bring this back to a a few statistics that I've seen online. I guess I don't have the exact statistics, but there's been a a lot of studies and reports on um, marginalized groups who have the worst time with online dating and those would be Asian men and black women. Black women. Why do you think Asian men and black women fall into this group? It's well, because of the stereotypes that are yeah. associated with those groups of people. What are those At the stereotypes? end of the day, uh, well, for black women in particular, we're hard to deal with. We're loud. We're not very aggressive. docile. We, aggressive is a good one. Mm. Um, we have our own mind. We do what we want. And Single we're independent females. To the, in 2018, we saw the rise of the conversation around Asian um, identity in media. And I think BuzzFeed, I don't know which platform it did, but they did a Asian men are sexy too type of campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, a lot yeah. of, oftentimes, like Asian males have not been portrayed positively in Western society, like in our media, like at all, as like potential love interests. They're either sidekicks or they're not visible at all. Yeah. Mm. 
So speaking, because I can only speak from the Asian side, a lot of my Asian male friends will say, you know, it's hard for us dating because not only do non-Asians don't want to date us because we're not um, masculine enough based on, you know, media stereotypes, but also our own kind don't want to date us. They rather oh. date outside of our, of, of our race. Do you feel the same way or do you, how do you feel about that for you? <laughs> so the first thing that I will say that encompasses that experience for black women is every black, I, I'm going to say every black girl has had to ask at some point in their life, I wonder if they like black girls. Mm. Oh, I remember doing this. I was like talking to one of my friends. I was like, he's really cute. I like him. Do you think he likes black girls? Cause you, you, you never get to just walk in the world and think that you are desirable. Like it doesn't matter how you look as a black woman. You could be, you know, on point, your eyebrows on fleek, your outfit is fit. And you, you know that you're beautiful, but you still have to ask yourself. Would you have to ask that for black men too? Yes. Yes. So you, you, would, you would see a black man and be like, I wonder if he dates black women. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Why? Why is that? You see it. You don't you don't even have to ask. And you see the black boys not interact with the black girls to the same capacity they do their peers of other races. You never really see them interacting with you or they never have an interest in you. And I'm not the type of person to, you know, chase what doesn't want me, like checking for people who check for you. So you just know. And it's often it's expressed in media. It's expressed online. Like black. Yeah. Girl, I've had people I know who know people or like I've heard them say, I don't like black girls and they are black. Is it a look that the media portrays that says she should look a certain way or is it more of a status thing? Is it like if you have a, mm -hmm. a wife who is not of your same race, then somehow you're elevated in status? That's actually well, what I wanted to bring it back to because I was going to comment on how for a long time, for a lot of men of color, particularly black men, having a white partner is a status symbol. Mm. Um, just a couple of years ago, an artist did a piece, a performance piece, where he was wearing white women as scarves in order to like convey this message of how a lot of people use them as status symbols of like, look, I've attained such wealth, I've attained such growth, I've escaped, you know, all these, I've, mm. I've transcended my blackness, I now have a white partner. This, this is like, this is a symbol of my power. Interesting. Do you think that it has any, because I know we talked about how black women are often seen as marginalized, but black men are almost elevated in media, like in Insecure, oh, yeah. that TV show, like there was this whole scene about like how these two white women really wanted to like have a black man. Like, do you see but that? But that's not in even elevate. That's more fetishizing. Okay. It's absolutely fetishizing. For the color of their skin, for like the like the mandingo stereotype, all these tropes that our society has placed on them of like this powerful black man and trapping them into this idea that there's only one way to be masculine or be a black man. It's more stifling than it is empowering. So I, I want to bring this back to some of your personal experiences, because what I'm hearing is you're either experiencing meeting someone who may not date black women or meeting someone who fetishizes dating black women. So how do you navigate the dating scene? Sophia, you're in a relationship. How are you able to navigate these two polarizing effects? So my boyfriend is white. Okay. Um, we're going we're gonna to start off by making that absolutely clear. And that's going <laughs> to paint a lot of my experiences here. I'm not the first person of color that he's dated. I am the first black person that he's dated. Okay. Um, and so he's more liberal. He, I mean, he grew up in a really conservative family in the deep South, but like he has a set of experiences 
growing up, but then going to college and meet and the people that he's met, that he's kind of um, a better one, we'll say. There's <laughs> he's a, a woke why wife. Made this far. We have a lot of conversations about these types of things, but like a lot of his friends tell him, he, or they're really surprised when there's, they see my photo and they're like, wow, you don't seem like the type of dude to date a black girl. Oh. Not like in kind of like a joking kind of way, like not in like a, you don't seem like the kind of guy in a hostile way, but like, oh, wow, I didn't expect this. Mm. You're the whitest guy I know kind of status. And so it, it kind of sparked a conversation where it's like every time we see an interracial couple in public, which he notices them now, um, he's like, does he seem like the type of guy that would eat a black? You know what's time. interesting about this conversation is that a lot of my non-black male friends have this I don't know if a stereotype or this myth that black women don't date outside of the race. They're like, I don't even approach black women because I just assume they wouldn't even look my way. If you look at the statistics, it's not wrong, but it's a, it's a sweeping generalization. Black women do date outside their race, just not to the degree that black men do. But it's mm -hmm. never good to make assumptions. So right. I guess back to my original question is how do you date successfully then? Like when you first, Sophia, when you first met your boyfriend, I'm sure mm -hmm. you had suspicions, right? So what are those conversations you had to have to get over that? I met James on Bumble. Okay. And that was key. Because the only way that that conversation would have started was if we both swiped right. Uh -huh. So the dating apps, to me, the Tinder and the Bumbles were game changing because it eliminates a lot of the, hey, this is my classmate. He's kind of cute. Let me ask my friend of a friend. Let me kind of like wink at him and hope that he like, uh. it, it just like, it makes it clear from the beginning. I am interested and you are interested and we can start having this conversation. How I, early in your relationship did you have the discussion of, have you dated black women before? Um, that's a good question. I don't think that was something I ever brought up point blank so much. It was an extension of a story of like the first person that saw my picture and was like, Oh, I didn't know your girlfriend was black. Uh. And he's, and then he, like continue to just be like, well, it's not the first time I've dated a person of color or, oh, my other girlfriend. Like, and, and it would just open up the conversation that we would be talking about it anyway. And so those types of details would come out because they were relevant to the conversation. Um, so, Safaya, you live in Atlanta because in Atlanta, that's, you know, the black Mecca. Do you get any sort of reverse discrimination, comments or criticism from from the black community? I will say that this is a good place to be an interracial couple in terms of like not getting weird looks on the street. Um, say that I have seen a lot of interracial mingling in Atlanta. It, it does like make sense that that kind of thing would happen here because it's I mean, it's it's a growing city with a lot of translates from the different parts of the country and different parts of the world. And so um but that's but, not to say it doesn't happen at all. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, just, I just don't Williams. know of it. Like, those are things that are, are happening not to my face. Okay. We had a guy that we spoke with that had dated a black woman. And we had talked to him about this experience. And he said that he actually felt like people saw him more woke after doing this. <laughs> what are your thoughts yeah. on that? <laughs> that's... Oh, no. That's... that's <sighs> oh, my God. That's one of my fears when it comes to dating outside of my race is being used as like, and this is why I'm really selective with my friendships. 
I never want to be that black friend that white people use. It's like, well, I have a black friend, so <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't want to be the black girlfriend that the white guy uses. Is like, well, I can't be racist because I'm dating a black person. Ah, uh, yeah. okay. It's like, yeah, it's like a superpower. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I never want to fall into that. And so people perceiving you as more. Listen, you can be just as racist and date people of color as you can when you don't date them. It doesn't matter. And what about you, Yalitza? Because you're dating, uh, you're single. So what do you do to filter men? Oh, man. So my challenge is trying to find someone who isn't racist, isn't sexist, is like in the same direction as me. So I look at their profile and I obviously look for red flags in the way that they communicate with me. Um, I ask specific, I I drive the conversation so I can get a feel for their politics a bit. Those are really important things to me. I need to understand where you stand on the spectrum of, you know, liberal to conservative and like whether or not we'll vibe. And so what I do is I often talk about myself. Like I bring up my activism in college or the work that I do with young girls of color. I talk about, you know, like, because my work is based in race. So if they're uncomfortable with that conversation, I can already tell that this is not going to go well if we try to pursue a relationship or go on more dates. Okay. And then what are some red flags that you can see right from the beginning, other than politics? Their friend group, seeing like, you know, looking at photos of their friends and like what they do for for their interests. Like if I don't see a diverse friend group, that's a red flag for me because I need to know that you're having certain conversations with your peers. And like, I need to know that you've been exposed to different types of people. Mm -hmm. Okay. So friend groups, what else? For me, based on like my profile and the fact that they can see my Instagram and what I've, when I do and what I'm interested in, what I talk about, people pretty much read themselves out. So I don't get a lot of, you know, I don't have to sift that much. I don't have to do a lot of fine tuning. But but you can, right? Because I mean, speaking from girl to girl, I, I stalk profiles before I meet them in person. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I'm like, That's dude, this man. guy, this guy, every ex-girlfriend he's had is Asian. That's a red flag to me. Yeah. That, well, that actually, I do see that. But is but that a red flag to you? I've never had an experience where um, I was one of several Black women that someone had dated. So what are some examples of fetishism then that you've seen? Like the other flip oh, side. Man. Those, so, those types of things t- tend to happen in the first few messages. So it's yeah. very easy to kind of like, well, so much for that. And then like block them. Give us some examples. So, so I was seeing an African-American boy back in between um, sophomore year and junior year of college. And this goes back to like the types of comments that we'll hear from African-American men about black women. Um, and he had told me that his dad said, oh, she's really pretty for a Haitian girl. And I was like, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? You could have just said I was pretty, but then it was like layered mm. in terms of like the African diaspora of like, now we're talking about my cultural identity as like a Haitian woman and like you not expecting Haitian women to look like this. And what does that mean? And all that kind of stuff. There's so many parallels with the black community and the Asian community. Because I've dated Asian men whose family's like, oh, she's really dark for an Asian. <laughs> You're like, what? 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 Yeah, what? there's issues yeah. across diasporas within different ethnic groups. It's all rooted in the idea that we think beauty is supposed to to be, you know, the closest thing to the Eurocentric standard. And if you're not, if you're not fair skinned and you don't have hair that looks like this, you're not beautiful. I had a cousin who we were talking about how he often dated African-American girls with fair skin. And we asked him based on, based on our skin tone, 
um, his sister and his other cousin, who would you date? And he pointed to me and he said, you're good. And he pointed to his other cousin and said, you're good. And then he pointed to his own sister, who is the same skin tone as him, as his mother, as many other people in his family and said, you're too dark. Whoa. Whoa. Interesting. Wow. And that's a very real experience for a lot of black women. I haven't had that experience necessarily. So I live in, I'm in this space where I'm like black enough to be fetishized by like white men and still be acceptable to their family and also black enough to be considered black for black people, but also be fetishized because, you know, I'm, I'm not dark, dark skinned or I have good hair. And so it's like, I don't know why you're dating me. Do you, are you dating me because you actually like me or because you think I'm some type of trophy because of how I look? So let's talk about that because I, I want to hear about, we are talking about fetishizing, right? So Mm -hmm. when was the last time you experienced that, where you felt like someone really just felt like you were a novel to date? My last experience was with a white man, and he would comment on my lips a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they're so full, they're so luscious, da-da-da-da. And it just got to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. No more dates. No (laughs) more dates with you. Okay. So I know, like, one of the things that came out on our Twitter conversation is that you mentioned, like, one of our past guests made a point to say, like, that she wanted to experience all sorts of races and really have those experiences and we didn't actually think much of it but you guys had a very different perception that that was actually I guess I'll let you speak for yourself what was your perception of that comment so I actually talked to Sophia about that the reason why that was upsetting for me to hear is because as a black woman people are always you know willing to go on a date with you or experience you but they're never willing to lock it down and commit to you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you have a theory about this too with yeah. like Asian women and men. Oh, totally. I, I, I feel or the same women. way. Like men will date Asian women and it's fun. It's novel. But then when it comes to marriage and having kids and introducing her to their families, it's a whole different story. So if I and I have seen so many stories online or from like our network where it's like, a black woman was with a man for like five years, wouldn't commit to her. Break up six months later, he's married to the next girl. This girl is notably like smaller, lighter skin, quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. All okay. of the things that are like stereotypically wife material that a black woman stereotypically would not be. Okay, I want to talk about the stereotypes. First of all, where do we think these stereotypes came from? And second of all, what can we do to, to get rid of these stereotypes? Well, slavery. Is the root of everything. (laughs) The root of all evil, slavery. (laughs) Right. You think Uh, the angry black woman stereotype came from slavery? Well, if we go back to the basic tropes of black women is like the mammy and the Jezebel. Explain what those uh, Yeah, what does that mean? So the mammy is, this is the African-American figure. She's like the matriarch of the household. She cooks, she cleans. That's She's a servant. She serves as a servant. And then the Jezebel is a sexually promiscuous woman. You know, she's running around in the streets late at night. Um, And that's something that was often put onto black women. And so black women are either seen as sexual or not sexual at all. And that's Mm. it. Those are the two main tropes that came out of, you know, the ideas around people of color when we like (laughs) participated in an incredibly racist structure in our society. But what about the anger, the anger part? Where did that come from? It's time for a break so we can tell you about our current sponsor, Chegg Study from Chegg, a leader in online study assistance. Whether you need textbook solutions or expert Q&A, there is no better tool to help you ace any class than Chegg Study. If Chegg Study was around when I was in college, I would have used this in a heartbeat. You can tap into Chegg's massive library of step-by-step textbook solutions and even get expert help who will reply within two hours, anytime and anywhere. 
The best part? You can use this at home on your computer or you can download the Check Study mobile app. One of my favorite features was that you could snap a picture of a problem not covered in your textbook and instantly submit to Chegg's experts. Getting online study assistance should never break the bank. Get more for your money with Chegg Study. Subscriptions are affordably priced and can be canceled at any time. For $5 off your first month subscription, go to chegg.com forward slash datable. That's spelled C-H-E-G-G. And use the promo code datable. But what about the anger? The anger part? Where did that come from? It's through the media, like how the media portrays people. Like women of color, each group is portrayed specifically by the media in a different way. Like Latinas are like sexy and spicy and hot. And then Asians are like docile and like smart and brainy, da, 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 da. And then black women ended up with the angry, you know, welfare queen, um, baby daddy drama. Like when you, when you take a step back and look at those descriptions again, like the description for Asians and the descriptions for Latinas are descriptions that are more attractive in a dating space no one's gonna be like "Ooh, i want someone who's just mean you know (laughs) we kind of just we got shafted well what about the positive stereotypes because i think there's also a subculture like one of our best friends is black as well and everyone just assumes she's like fun and very bubbly personality and dances all the time and like all the stereotypes that are from media that way how would you respond to that well black women don't often get to be seen having multiple layers like we don't get to be seen as soft we don't get to be seen as emotional we're always portrayed as like strong independent powerful angry da 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 and i think the way that we deconstruct that is by allowing people to be who they are (laughs) instead of placing them in these confined spaces of like this is this is how i see you and this is the only way to see you and actually understanding people individually so what i find really interesting for media perspective is that the more these stereotypes come out, the more complaints that come out, the more these movies and TV shows are made in response to it, but they kind of backfire. So I'll give you an example. I had this conversation with a few of my girlfriends and two of them are black and we were talking about that show Being Mary Jane. Have you seen Oh, I don't like that show. <laughs> I don't watch it. Okay. I don't. It's a show made by black women who wanted a show about empowering the uh, like black women in the dating world too but in the show as as the seasons go on the women get angry and angrier and more independent and then by the end they're kind of like I don't need men in my life so my girlfriends were saying you know like I love that there's a show created for us but at the same time it actually feeds into the stereotype well but it gets rating like there's no incentive for Hollywood to wipe away these stereotypes that have been making their money for all of these years. But there's one more thing to add to that, which is the fact that if people are upset with um, the portrayal, it's because there aren't enough. If we like, if we count up all the shows that we have where there's representation, of course we're going to feel some type of way if Mary Jane has all these characters that are being portrayed as angry and independent because we don't have enough characters to show all the different sides that black women have. So what about Insecure? Because I feel like they've been kind of taking this on too. Mm-hmm. Like Issa Rae's whole thing has been like, how am I portrayed as an educated black woman? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that show and the message that's coming there? Oh, well, insecure I love is great, but it's one show. That's we need really more what insecure. Well, yeah. What do you think it's about that show that's port- that has had you have this reaction? This is great. We're the one, I forget the name. That being you, Mary being Jane. Being Mary Jane that UA just represented. So, I was like, I hate that show. Like, <laughs> 
What's the I don't, yeah. Insecure is more for the younger millennial black folks. It shows all the nuance of the date of dating while black and, and, you know, figuring out life, which is why so many people are drawn to it. You get to see the different insights of the characters and it's like addressing all these different things. Like I love Molly's that like the dialogue around Molly and her experience with Dro and being this really successful black woman who has it all together, but yet cannot for the life of her figure out her dating situation. That resonates with me because that's how a lot of people feel. And that's where a lot of people are in life. So Insecure has really artfully done a great job of representing the different places that a lot of young Black millennials are in life and showing our different sides. So do you think that's the difference then? That's multidimensional. It's not one stereotype where this other being Mary Jane is an angry Black female. I would say, yeah, but I also haven't seen being Mary Jane, so I can't speak on it fully. For a show like Insecure, what I find so intriguing about it is that the characters are so relatable, no matter what gender or what race you are, they just happen to be black, right? So it's like, Mm -hmm. these are, these are, these are normal human beings going through normal human things, and they just happen to be of a certain color. But a show like Being Mary Jane, and I, I would criticize Tyler Perry in the same realm. The the leading factor is that they're black characters. I don't know. Insecure that it is based around being black. Like their that race is... and identity definitely does play a role in Insecure. But I will agree with you that like in Tyler Perry productions, we don't talk about Tyler Perry. It's a bit heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, we don't. What, what what is it about him? Yeah, what, what is, is it? it? Yeah, I want to hear. Tyler Perry has a lot of caricatures in his character lineup that are not always helpful. And because of the sheer popularity of his movies and how ubiquitous it is to see them on your screens. And so it's kind of like he's it's dangerous because of just how popular it is. It is what it is. So basically uh, what you're saying is that there's a very stereotypical character he portrays. Like, like he always has a dark-skinned black man that does a black woman wrong and then the light-skinned savior comes in <laughs> and he loves Jesus <laughs> and he saves the black woman. Got like it's, it. it's the same thing. Got it. <laughs> So I think like, I think what I'm hearing from this whole conversation is like, we just have to stop with these like stereotypes that have persisted and just like let people be people like any other race. But I, and but the, what I'm also hearing from this is that it comes from within your own community. I face these battles in my own community and Asians actually perpetuate these stereotypes for ourselves. And I, f- I feel like it's the same in the black community. Yeah, ho- the horizontal hostility, internalized racism happens mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a lot of different ethnic groups. And we do have to address it from within. It's challenging when we don't have the voice or the capacity to do it. Like we're all trying to fight. We're all trying to fight racism, but then we're all trying to fight racism and then sexism and then within our own community and then homophobia and then transphobia. And then uh, da, da, there's so many things <laughs> and it's hard to do them all. So then, ladies, help me out here. So I have a lot of men, of men friends, male friends. <laughs> like, I have a lot of men, guys. I, of men. I just want to tell you guys that. I have a lot of male friends who are very much willing to date outside their race. In fact, they're just like, I will, I will date anybody awesome. But they, are the, um, they feel most insecure when approaching black women, especially online, they, they're like, I don't mm-hmm. want to offend. Good. Her. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to offend her. I want to be sensitive. And I don't want to feel I don't want to come off like this is some sort of like fetishism. Yeah, my advice is this. If you're a white person, and you want to date a black person, exactly the way that you would reproach her if she was white, do the same thing. My issues came when 
Like, I guess like, I mean, especially cause I, I do like go out with a lot of white guys and it's just kind of like always doing the most every time. Like, and, and it goes on both sides. Sometimes it's the most in like a fetishizing kind of way. Sometimes it's the most of like, Hey, I'm aware that we are of different skin tones and I'm going to go out of my way to make sure that I accommodate and make this as smooth and easy as possible. And us, it's like, you just said a bunch of words. Um, can you not <laughs> just be cool? Okay. Just be, be normal, normal. Right. Okay. So it's, from the yeah. guy, from the male perspective, you're saying just treat everybody the same, you know, however wait, you, wait, you, no, I don't, I don't agree with that. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. I want to hear this. Um, I, I will say you do have to do a level of education. Like if you want to date this person, do not expect this person to educate you about things and like be mindful, like don't overthink it, but be aware and don't mm-hmm. get offended if you do like, and don't get offended if they do tell you that you've done something wrong. Because it, it's all about intent. Like, we know that you're not trying to be, you know, racist. But, like, when we tell you something, don't get defensive. I've I've addressed white men when they say, like, when I say, please don't call me chocolate princess. It's like, this is a compliment. It's like, no. Yeah. We're not doing yeah. that. So that, yeah, to you me, gotta, is, like, Yeah, you got to communicate. But, like, so we're actually, like, kind of on the same page here. Because what I, what might be normal thing was, like, to the initial approach. Also, you would never say chocolate princess to a white person. So it's kind of like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like, like white chocolate, <laughs> white chocolate princess. <laughs> I always, chocolate princess always gets to me because there are plenty of like Southeast Asians and people from India that have the same, like, kind of like maybe more yellow undertones, but like are also brown. And I ask myself, has anyone ever called you a chocolate princess? It's a good question. Or is it like the association <laughs> yeah, of African American or African black? Being yeah. seen as sexual and all that. Yep. Yeah. What, what about the flip side? So we give an advice to the men. What about to the women? So this is something that happened to a guy friend of mine. He went on a date with this black woman. I mean, it wasn't like he was trying to date black women. It's just he saw this girl online, thought she was super cute. They went out. And for their second date, he wanted to go to a Jay-Z concert. Mm. And she got real pissed. She got well, they, real I could hear it in the voice here. <laughs> now, he, this is what he said. He's like, I love Jay-Z. He was in town. I want to go see him. I want to see if she want to go with me. And she was very sensitive about it. She was like, oh, is it is it because you think this is something I'd be interested in? She never, you know, she never overtly said, because I'm black. But she was kind of like, oh, is this something you are even interested in or are you just doing this for me? How do you feel about that? Is it because I'm black? She missed a great joke because their faces get so uncomfortable. It's so funny. I feel like a Jay-Z concert is a really big second date. That's another thing. Like, that it's, seems like you're being extra. And so I have to ask myself why you're being extra. <laughs> okay. So not even a race thing. It's just don't do that, basically. <laughs> but damn, if some guy wanted to take me to a Jay-Z concert on a second day, I'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> I would go. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say, you know, assume positive intent until mm-hmm. they've proven themselves not to be positive. So what would you Uh, say, what would you say to the girl that responded that way? What is some way that she should have responded? I would say you definitely should have gone to that free concert (laughs) and (laughs) talk to him about it afterwards. That's something where you you had to use the rest of the context to get a feel for the situation. So be like, Hey, you know, I really appreciate you inviting me to this concert. I just wanted to make sure that 
you were inviting me because you wanted me to join you and not just because, you know, of my race and you're uh, like assuming that I'm interested in rap music and then let them explain themselves. Are we like assuming the worst in people by like making it about being black that they wanted to go to this concert? Yeah. Or like you made a like a comment before, like you like to see their face because it's so funny when like they like you call them out for doing this to a black woman. Like, I guess what's the, the balance here? Welcome to the struggle of being dating while being a black woman. <laughs> I feel like a lot of you you have to protect yourself. We have had so many experiences where it was negative mm-hmm. or it was a, a bad experience. So it's like when you live in a like think about like as a woman, you are constantly aware of yourself when you're walking at night because you are a target. Like the war- society sees yep. you as a target, you could potentially be a victim. As a black woman, you have to navigate with the same experience. It sucks that you have to carry that baggage. Like you have to ask those questions. And as much as I don't want to, I have to I have to do it because I cannot end up in a situation where I'm engaging with someone who is viewing me in a negative way or is using me and exploiting me in some way. If I would have asked the person point blank if that's the reason why they were asking asking me to a Jay-Z concert, but I for sure would have slept with one eye open for the rest of the <laughs> Like I would have I would have had my feelers out and be looking, you know, a little bit more context. Right. You're more alert to it. I I, I get it. Yep. I you're just more sensitive to it at that point. But at some level, I I can only speak for myself. I feel like sometimes I'm a little too sensitive. Right. You know, if a guy asks me to go get Chinese yeah. <laughs> on a first date, I get offended. I do. Because I don't eat Chinese food. But I, I also get offended. And then I'm like, damn, why am I so sensitive? I need to just calm down. I need to just, and I think someone said it earlier, just assume the best. Elitza, I think you said it. Assume the best yeah. in everyone, right? Which is funny because I don't really do that as much exactly, as I Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that I am so in agreement with you. I want to think that way. I want that to be my mindset. It doesn't always come out in action. But, but the other thing about that is it's so easy to pick any other type of food. It's true. You, if, even if you're going to say, like, I'm not going to, like, you know, live my life in an ultra sensitive and everybody gets too offended. Like, literally, all you had to be like is, let's go get Italian. And you would have avoided mm. that entire situation whatsoever. And that's how I feel about a lot of these scandals of like um, somebody making an off color joke or and it's like literally just say something else. Build a rapport, build a relationship first, get to the point where you clarify like this is who we are as people and that that's it. Like understand each other first. So like don't I wouldn't if you're still get letting this person get to know you and you don't know like where he stands on certain ideas, maybe going to rap and asking her to a rap concert isn't the best idea. I have one last presentation of an idea that, <laughs> that I want to I want to bring up, which is this Asian men, black women community that has really transpired in the last five years. They're called oh a- AMBW. There's meetup groups, there's Facebook groups, there's actually real life in-person groups. And it's it's black women and Asian men who come together to fight racism when it comes to uh, dating, but also getting together romantically. What How do you, do you feel? Yeah. yeah. What do you think about that? So I'm all for love. You know, love who you want to love, but. I don't, it feels weird when it's like intentionally going out of your way to pursue someone because of their identity. Yeah, as long okay. as it's not, as long, as long as it's not, I'm dating you because of your race, I'm cool with it. So you're saying right. if you just happen to meet an Asian guy and you were into him, that's cool. But because you're like both in this marginalized group and you're finding each other for that, it seems. And like then awesome. you're, you're making a decision of the next dude that I date will be Asian. That's, yeah, that's falling into that's that sampling line. Pokemon gotta catch them all kind of feeling. That's a that's a really interesting point because I wouldn't go to a meetup group for white men and 
Asian girls. <laughs> like, no. I would avoid yeah, that absolutely. at all costs. Yeah. <laughs> That's not but I guess others <laughs> might look at it. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Others might look at it like uh, optimizing their odds. Yeah, that's true. No, which is totally fair to yeah. each their own. I just think it draws a fine line because there's so many conversations in the black community about the, where black women are criticized for dating interracially and then black men are also criticized for dating interracially. And we always talk about you don't choose who you love. Then to actively choose who you love, it, it, <laughs> no, <Yeah>. it <laughs> makes the argument void. Totally. Yeah. Well, at least their babies would be super hot. That's true. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, we're not going to say that. No. <laughs> oh, no. That's a red flag. Uh, if that's like that's something that I that would do. Like, like, we would have beautiful babies together. It's like, I'm going to just delete you and report you right now. <laughs> well, I, can't I, guess, do it. I guess two white people would never say that to each other. Like, two white people? Never, right? We're going to have beautiful babies together. It just doesn't come up as much. I mean, maybe if they were all about saving the Aryan race or something like that. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh that's a whole other conversation yes they a whole other conversation. well this is a great segue to what our takeaway yeah let's, let's get uh, real serious now <laughs> what are some takeaways from this conversation specifically around race and dating Sophia, do you want to go first it's gonna be be open first of all mm-hmm. also shoot your shot because a lot of of what we struggle with as black women is not being approachable or being seen as a timid Dating, so people who are like, wow, this person's so beautiful, so amazing, um, would never actually ask her out. So it's kind of just mm-hmm. like, uh, uh, Yelita? I think that being intentional in dating is really important and not, um, like we, we literally just said, don't pursue people because of their identity. Pursue them because of the content of their character. <laughs> And then the other thing I would say is I want to I want to touch on how racial preferences are not preferences. <laughs> if you're writing off an entire group of people because of the color of their skin, you need to reflect on yourself and what that might say about you, mm-hmm. because that's not how our society works. Why is racial preference even an option for online dating? It's been going away, though. I think Tinder and all the apps like Hinge, they don't have that anymore. They Match okay. historically and OkCupid. OkCupid still like the, does. Like the older school. Yeah. The new ones, you really can't filter by race anymore. I think my takeaway is like treat people just as a like a human, not as like race, but you Mm -hmm. also can't Mm. ignore it either. I think that's what I got from you. Like if people just pretend like everything's okay and they don't address it, then that's not good either because it's just like unrealistic to accept that. And it's better to have like this open dialogue and make it like not an issue than just pretend there is no issue. Yeah. My takeaway is this. One, it's just about respect. And Mm. part of that respect is seeing someone as a human being. And that comes through your first communication with someone, especially on online dating, since that's what we're talking about. Commenting about their race is never a great way to open the conversation. (laughs) Even if you think it's a compliment, it's not. That's just something we need to stay away from in general. Sorry, I, I wanted to add, before you send any message... Ask yourself, would I say this to a white person? And then look at your message again. Okay, that's a good way to filter. Yeah, very good way to filter. My second takeaway is we also have to look inward to ourselves and think about what is the vibe we're giving off. Mm -hmm. I notice in myself that the more sensitive I get about my race, the more of a negative vibe I'm putting out there. So it becomes a a downward spiral for me. 
So I know what I need to do in order to change my mindset, to think more positively, to see the better in people. But I, I also, the minute I think about something negative, I also need to think that that's also the energy I'm giving off, which is also negative, right? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Any other last thoughts or comments about this? I really enjoy this conversation. Me this too. Is, I'm glad you, we girls. talked about this. Thank <laughs> you, girls, for being so candid with us. It's one of those things like if we don't talk about it, the less we talk about it, the more sensitive everybody will be about it. And then it's like you just you're offended by yeah. everything. I was going to say thank you for having us. I know mm-hmm. when I sent that tweet, I like tone can't be perceived. And I was just like talking out into Twitter. But I'm really <laughs> glad that you guys were open and receptive to the idea and hearing what we had to say. Totally. Yeah, I think we've been wanting to do this topic for a while. It's just finding the right people to come and talk with us before we leave i do want like i know both of you guys do have um some work that you do outside of being on this podcast (laughs) (laughs) very focused in like the society and like race space could you maybe both just kind of give a little plug of what you guys do yeah i'll i'll go first um so yulita jean charles founder of healthy roots dolls we make dolls that teach natural hair care to young girls of color because when i was growing up i never saw dolls that look like me and mm-hmm. loving your skin and your hair as it naturally grows out of your head is such a big struggle for african-american girls mm-hmm. and i just want to see us love ourselves so yeah, I started that toy company. Awesome. And how, how would someone find out more information? Uh, you can head to www, uh, three W's, healthyrootsdolls.com. Okay, awesome. And Sophia. Oh, and yeah, I'm Sophia. I um, go to work and then I come home. <laughs> I don't do anything. <laughs> I, I did some work with Elites on Healthy Roots, some, some PR stuff very briefly earlier this year. Generally speaking, I just like to be very visible and conversations tend to come to me. (laughs) (laughs) She real low key. Well, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. Thank you for having us. I can't wait to do a follow-up episode with black men. Yes. I want to see what they would say. I think there's a whole different situation going on. Like we talked about briefly, like the fetishism, Mm -hmm. this like big dick type stereotype. Like a lot of that stuff's going on that is very different than black women. Yes. Yes. Let me know if I can listen in on that. Right. And let us know if you have have anyone. If you know anybody who wants to. Or if any listeners want to reach out. Yes. (laughs) Last but not least, stay Stay dateable. Your action item for this week is next time you're on a dating app and you're messaging someone of a different race, don't lead with race. It's as simple as that. Keep it about them, not about their skin color. It's, It's not cute. It's not funny. It's just plain offensive, even if you think it's a compliment. This episode of Dateable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. If you didn't know already, we have a revamped website with articles, videos, and content all about modern dating. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We've had some great feedback about how actionable these episodes are. So check them out on our website or iTunes Music. 
Also, visit the site today to see the latest about coaching, where we connect you with datable approved experts to help with everything from dating profile reviews, coaching, and even gathering real feedback about your dating style in a personalized and affordable way. To connect with us, visit datablepodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under Datable Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and auto-download the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode.